Hello, and welcome back to the Influencer Podcast. This is Julie Solomon, and I am excited because today we have the amazing Rebecca Minkoff with us. Now, as you may know, Rebecca is a world-renowned designer. She's also a CEO, an entrepreneur, and she is now an author. And we're going to be chatting with her about not only her journey through being the incredible self-made businesswoman that she is today, but all of the rules and the trials and tribulations that she had to go through to get where she now is. We talk about a lot of successes, a lot of failures, and what her keys and steps and really rules are to make sure that you're living your best life possible and also really hitting those benchmarks that you're wanting when it comes to building a business. You don't want to miss this episode. Let's dive in. Hello, and welcome to the Influencer Podcast. I'm your host, Julie Solomon, business coach and brand expert. I invite you to join millions of our other listeners in building a brand that is influential, loved by the masses, and worth millions. The Influencer Podcast is the only resource you need to start, grow, and scale the brand and business of your wildest dreams. Discover why people all over the world call The Influencer Podcast their go-to for all things branding, influence, and marketing. That's what you want to get your hands on, right? Hi, Rebecca. It's so good to see you and have you on. And we're going to have a fun conversation today. I'm excited to chat. Yes, this is going to be awesome. Now, I know that so many of our listeners are huge fan of just your incredible body of work and your amazing handbags. I know that I have owned dozens of them throughout my span of being a young woman and just the confidence and I think just beauty that like what it makes a woman feel like to have one of your handbags, to to be in a piece of your clothing all of the amazing stuff. But what I'm really excited about to share more about is you and your story. I think that, you know, when people think of Rebecca Minkoff, they think about the amazing handbag that they may be toting around, but they don't really understand the woman behind that and really everything that it took to create that. And that's what we're going to be talking about today is your story, your message, obviously your book, Fearless. And I would love if you would just kind of share a little bit about why is now the time to share this message to the world? I think that as I was reflecting on, you know, 20 years of being in this industry, it just seemed like I had a lot of hard-won knowledge, a lot of failures, a lot of uh, successes. And if I could impart any of that to anyone that they could sort of use it to be more successful, that was really the goal. And so that is, you know, obviously we had no idea that a pandemic was going to hit when we decided, you know, to start working on it and we're gearing up for it. But in a way, one of the silver linings is as my business was plummeting and uh, we faced, you know, going out of business as I was writing the book to be able to go back and remember what did I do to become successful? What did I do to get here? Okay. We got to do those same things again now. Uh, it was actually, um, I don't want to say good timing, but the timing was good for, for what I was doing. Oh, I love that. And just kind of like that, that cyclical journey, if you will. Um, so what did it take for you to get here and, and how did that look different or how was that the same? And you kind of being reapproached with that grit and that, um, that endurance and that kind of resilience that you needed for, um, last year in 2020. 
it took every cell and fiber in my being to get here, as well as my teams and my co-founder. Um, I think, you know, at the at the end of the day, it takes persistence. It takes knowing that you have to love what you do so much that any obstacle that is thrown you, any mountain that you encounter, um, you still hold on to that passion that you have for your career because you are thrown enough hurdles in entrepreneurship or when you work for someone that unless you love it, you'll just be like, that's actually not worth it. You know, I'd rather go be on the beach and have a margarita and read a book. Um, so you have to have that passion for what you do. And then you have to know that at the end of the day, it's you who can make it happen or not. You know, as much as people are going to help you and support you or not, you have to be the one to keep the ball flowing ball rolling. There's never going to be someone that's going to hand you a platter and say, Hey, we want to make this really easy on you. And I would love to dive into that because I feel like a lot of people will make up and tell themselves that like, uh, the, the, the biggest struggle is making it right. But then like, once you've made it, then it's just all unicorns and rainbows and butterflies and all of the good stuff. So I would love to know, do you think it is harder to make it or harder to maintain it? And what are the challenges of both? Ooh, that's a great question. You know, looking back, I had this experience where one daily candy email, if anyone remembers that site, put me on the map. So from an outsider's perspective, that was the easy part. And I think the maintaining it is harder or not only the maintaining, but as you get into your 10, 15, 20, um, I think when you look at it, it's like, how do you get that woman to stay with you? You know, she's going through life and changing her budget. Maybe she has more money now. Maybe she has less. How do you get her to go, okay, no matter what, I'm, I'm staying with Minkoff. And that is so much harder than that, that first launch that you get out of the rocket, um, which is an incredibly amazing feeling, but you got to keep that rocket fuel going. And that takes such creativity it takes, I don't know, just these random wild ideas on, on how to stay relevant, especially today, because there's so much more noise today than there ever has been. Um, so anyone can start a brand like this, but how do you then keep it going is probably the hardest work of our lives. And I would love if you could share any of those wild or crazy creative ideas when it comes to relevancy, that how have you been able to extend the lifetime of that woman? Um, how do you get customers to come back and not just be repeat buyers, but be, um, you know, be invested in the message that is Minkoff and in the journey that is Minkoff? How have you been able to do it creatively and successfully and at the same time kind of reinventing who you are as a brand? Yeah. So I think it first started with us and our four and our foray into uh, using technology to help our customer. Um, it really started with like 2005, us talking to our customer online that wasn't done before it evolved as every social media platform kind of launched of us being there. It involved us talking to our consumer, getting her feedback, making changes within our company or design because of that. Um, I think later on, it took the form of standing for something far more important than a bag, right? Women, human rights, uh, equality, and not doing that as some companies do as some sort of show, but really truly, tr but really truly imbuing that into the fabric and pillars of your company. 
And so, you know, it was a no brainer to stand up for women. My company is 95% women. Uh, We sell to women. So why wouldn't I want to do something that would help support more women? So I think that as, you know, again, as we've grown and evolved, we've just uh, made sure that the consumer knew that we were everywhere where she was, but also that she knew that A, I'm human. We're not a brand that just speaks to you that's doesn't have a soul behind it, but also that I'm here to support you and hear all the ways we're doing it. And maybe you listen to my podcast and you never buy a bag, but if you get something out of that and that helps you, that's incredible. Mm. I love that. And I, I want to chat about that a little bit in terms of breaking the rules. I know in your new book, Fearless, the new rules for unlocking creativity, courage, and success, you talk about how you had to break a lot of rules, quote unquote, um, to really find your niche in the marketplace and to hit the success that you were looking for. Um, and I would love if you could touch on that a little bit about, you know, because obviously the fashion industry, they're going to have standards, they're going to have rules, they're going to have these things in which you may feel like you have to play into as a new designer. But how were you able to kind of take what you liked about it and leave the rest and really carve out your own pathway that made you unique and that made you stand out in what some would feel like is a very oversaturated market? So I think if you, you have to either be in fashion or have some familiarity with it to understand why some of the ways things were being done didn't make any sense. So fashion, the fashion industry was very elitist. It was very insular. It was very clicky. You know, if you wanted to go to a fashion show, it was only for editors and buyers. Um, And you had to be on a list or know someone to get in. There weren't, consumers weren't allowed. Consumers shouldn't be spoken to and they weren't allowed to participate. They were just lucky enough to watch. And so that's what I walked into when I started my company. And I wasn't friendly with the Vogue people. Anna didn't deem me her uh, her newest, latest, brightest talent. And so I had only the outside, right? I wasn't on the inside. And I became known because of my consumer and because I embraced her on blogs and forums and working with influencers, which we had sit downs with heads of stores, with major editors of magazines saying, don't talk to your consumer. Don't work with bloggers. You're dirtying yourself. These are D-list celebrities. No one cares about them. And as you see these people like holding on to like this old world, um, we saw a new world blooming and we said, well, we don't exactly have 40 grand to do an ad in Vogue. And we definitely, you know, think that these people who are taking selfies are probably going to be the new, you know, tastemakers. Um, and so we just dove in. So that was one of the biggest rules we had to break was to just go against what everyone was telling us we were crazy to do. And then we did it again. Go ahead. No, go ahead. You just oh. made me something. And, and we just had several moments uh, where we had to do that in big ways, whether it was inviting consumers to our show, sitting influencers front row, our store of the future, where you could shop differently and be more like um, an e-commerce experience. So we just felt like our lane is to break the rules and we only succeed when we do that. And I feel like now it's, that is kind of, it's kind of become the norm. I mean, if, if people don't listen to consumers and if people don't uh, normalize the way that consumers look and feel and buy, then they're going to be left in the dust. And so if you were starting your business today, what is a rule that you would feel like you would need to break to really stand out and to reach that core demographic? I think if I were starting a company today, I think there's a common thing, launch, you know, have a deck, raise a ton of money, um, grow big really quickly, 
Um, I think we've all been sort of uh, brainwashed. The only way you can have a successful company is breed direct to consumer, raise a zillion dollars, and then go out and do it. Um, I would think I, I I would like to take a different approach. And um, a friend of mine built an incredibly successful company using ambassadors. She got people excited about the idea of the product before it even happened. So by the time it happened, she had a thousand women who already wanted it. And then she turned those women into ambassadors. And she said, all right, go proselytize my brand and you get free merch, you get shout outs, you get this. Now she has a hundred thousand passionate women who talk about her brand all day. And they're in it because they're part of her community. They feel part of the company. So that's kind of how I'd mirror it. Um, and we're looking to to do things now to sort of kick that off. Um, but that's definitely a way that I would do it. Yeah. I mean, I, when I think of ambassadors and people that are really, you know, sharing from experience or sharing from their love, you, you can't put a, an ad dollar on that. I mean, there, there's nothing, there's no better marketing than a referral. Um, I think that's great. And, um, and I would like to know too, on that idea of failures, I know a lot of people don't like that word, but what would you say to date has been your biggest failure? And what was the biggest gift that you were able to learn from that and pivot and grow? So in my book, I talk about sometimes you win, sometimes you learn. And it's kind of the idea that we need to reframe failure as something that should be avoided and run from because we're all going to fail and we're going to fail a lot. And we always learn something truly valuable after that. Um, I think one of the biggest ones, and I talk about it in the book, is I didn't trust my gut. I was kind of down and out on myself. I was about to go on maternity leave with my third baby. And I was like, I'm tired. I don't know if I got, I don't know if I got the magic anymore. Let me just hand over the keys to the king, kingdom to a woman to oversee design. And I thought I trusted her. And then when I got back from maternity leave, I was like, oh, this doesn't feel right. And she never wants to talk to me or have me in meetings and she never wants my feedback. And every time I come up with an idea, it's politely pushed aside. And I was like, well, maybe, maybe she's right. Maybe I don't know what I'm doing and it needs to be her. And I just kept making excuses as to why. And she took us down a horrific path where, you know, the brand suddenly didn't look like the brand that people had come to know and love. And it took a year to sort of change that. Um, and I think that had I had I not let that happen, had I yelled harder or made my concerns and not just doubted myself, that we wouldn't have had that happen because that was that was painful. Not just during it, but after when you try and turn it around and be like, just kidding. We know we showed you this weird, emotionless, soulless brand for the last six months, but we're back. You know, that's not, that's not an easy thing to come back from. And I think that's that's such a good point and it's so vulnerable and it's such an honest story. And I, because I think so many people that build businesses and brands can relate to that is that you, you know, you've had success, you created momentum, you've created a brand identity, you have customers that are so loyal, that love you, but then something inside of us second guesses everything that we've built and that we've created. And so I love that you said that was kind of the, the gift of really at the end of, of the day, you do know what's best. Even if you think that you don't know what's best, you do know what's best and you got yourself to that place. And so kind of coming back to yourself and trusting yourself. And I say that a lot to, to the women that listen to this podcast, because I see this and maybe you see it too, Rebecca, with, with people that, you know, in your industry is that they are so afraid to make a mistake 
or they are so afraid to get it wrong that they don't even start. Yeah. And weeks turn to months and months turn to years. And before they know it, they've been wanting to create this thing for years and there's nothing to be shown for it because they were so afraid to just trust themselves and to take action. And to me, I I feel like that's one of the biggest challenges that I see so many women face, Um, which kind of leads me to my next question, because maybe I'm just maybe this is just a judgment or an opinion. I just don't feel like men really tend to like, let that hold themselves back. I don't really know a lot of men that were like, I didn't really trust myself. So I didn't create this thing. They just go and do it. But with women, we, we have this, this second guessing. And then on top of it, we start to make these excuses. Well, I'm a mom or I have to show up here or I have to do that. And so my next question for you is that how have you been able to show up even if you didn't have all the answers, even if you were like, I don't know if this is the right thing or not, being a mom, having all the things going on, how have you been able to do it and do it successfully and still learn and grow and pivot as you go? My friends, have you ever thought that you have done the hard part? You have started your business and you have taken that leap from belief into really stepping out and claiming a vision for yourself. But you know that if you wanna make money doing what you love, You need other support. You need to grow. You need to scale. You need a marketing strategy. You need a lot of this stuff. Now, of course, I talk so much about these things, right? Like how to identify your target audience, where to find them, which marketing channels to focus on. So you're really making the most out of your budget. And of course, how to use things like data to set goals. But there's another great podcast that I love out there that also talks about this stuff. And it's called This is Small Business. This is Small Business, an original podcast from Amazon, answers so many of these kinds of questions. Whether you're dreaming of starting your business or you're looking to take a part-time side hustle full-time, or maybe you're a few years in and you're ready to scale. This is Small Business is going to give you the practical tips that you can start using today. And I know that if you love these topics on my podcast, you're going to love them on this one too. Make sure to follow This is Small Business on Apple Podcasts or Spotify so you don't miss these fantastic episodes. And a big thanks to This is Small Business Business for sponsoring the show. My friends, as creators, we work so hard creating our content. So we don't want to leave it up to things like an algorithm to determine how successful our online brands and businesses can be. And that is why I love Kajabi. Kajabi is the ultimate all-in-one platform that helps creators and entrepreneurs like myself build successful online businesses by unlocking predictable recurring revenue. And I know they can help you too. No matter your niche, Kajabi makes it easy to turn your skills, your passions, your experiences into enriching offers like online courses, exclusive membership sites, subscription podcasts, communities, personalized coaching, and so much more. What I love about Kajabi is that not only does it make it super easy to use, but they don't take a cut of your revenue because everything is owned and controlled by you. You don't need a huge audience to make a sustainable income online. I talk about that all the time here on the podcast. There are thousands of creators on Kajabi making six and seven figures without having hundreds of thousands of followers, and you can too. Right now, Kajabi is offering a free 30-day trial to start your business. Go to kajabi.com slash influencer. That's K-A-J-A-B-I dot com slash influencer. Go to kajabi.com slash influencer and join the creators and entrepreneurs who have made over $7 billion. Being a mom, having all the things going on, how have you been able to do it and do it successfully and still learn and grow and pivot as you go? 
So I think that <clears throat> when we were at our most, I guess, fearful moment, um, whether it was trying something new, um, I think, you know, our last big moment of being uncertain was having a direct-to-consumer show, closing down Green Street, um, and inviting consumers, 5,000 showed up, with using influencers walking, a meet and greet after. Like, there were so many things that now, like, are so normal, but that were very scary. And again, the naysayers came out. Um, and I think that, you know, a consultant pointed out to us, he's like, every time you guys follow the path, you follow what everyone says you should do. You don't win. You don't get credibility. You don't get respect. No one cares. But when you do these out of the box things, people take notice and they listen. And from that moment on, I wasn't worried about failing. I just said, okay, I don't need the parachute. Like, let's take the risk. What's the worst that could happen? Right. And so now risk taking is fun. It was like, you know, when we launched OnlyFans last fashion week, you know, people could have been like, oh my God, will I be seen as someone that's like promoting porn? No, we are changing an app, right? To go away from that industry and into a creator-based creator way to monetize some things that people spend time on. And if I can be the one to usher that in, great. But I could have sat there and be like, oh, I don't want to be associated with that, you know, but I, now I'm associated with the change of that platform. And so for me, that's what makes me excited or what we're going to do next fashion week. Like, it's risky. Um, it's not a typical presentation or show, but like, that's what now fuels me. Um, and if it fails, like, I'm like, all right, we tried it. You know, I think, um, a woman I interviewed for my podcast was an engineer before she started her company. And she was like, there's a failure funnel. Engineers don't go berate themselves when like an update to some technology doesn't work. They're not crying under their desk. Like I'm never going to make it. Uh, why am I so terrible? It's just like, nope, next. That didn't work. And so I try and think of failure now as that. Ah, oh, and I, uh, so many things kind of came into play when you were talking about that. One is just the courage, the courage that it takes to say, you know what, someone's got to lead this. And if I'm not the first one to do it, somebody else is going to be the first one to do it. And so having the courage, and I love the story that you shared about OnlyFans, because that is, that is the first fear-based, well, I don't want to be associated with that, that would come up. And now you're associated with this change. And I think the other thing is, it's so memorable. I mean, I remember a few years ago, you did a, the fashion show at the Grove and you used all influencers and all, I mean, a lot of my friends were in the show, this bloggers, content creators. And I'll never forget that moment because I remember, you know, just how human it was and how tangible it was that we could go to the Grove. We could sit down, we could see the new collection. We could immediately shop it. We could support our friends. We could see it all over social media and, and traditional media was covering it. And it, it was something that you hadn't seen it done in that way before and having it at the Grove, which is in this outdoor space in Los Angeles. And it was so welcoming. And to me, it's just having the courage to, to do something different and to kind of zig when everyone else zags it's what makes it memorable. And, you know, I'll always remember that fashion show. I don't remember a lot of other fashion shows that were in traditional spaces at, you know, fashion week and what have you. So I think that the courage piece is super important there. And, and I would love if you would kind of share, and I know that you talk about it in your book about, um, you know, the challenges. It's like, you know, you don't know if you can complete them. You don't know if you can kind of take them on. You don't know if you're capable or if you have the courage to do it. And you talk about in your book, you have this fearless approach to really be able to kind of meet any challenge that you would have any day of the week 
you can meet it to where it's at. And so could you share a little bit about that and how you've been able to do that so fearlessly? So I think that people immediately when they're faced with a challenge want to run. Um, you know, they want to, you know, kind of not look or put up a picture that is what they think they're seeing, but not really. Um, and I, and I just talk about really get cozy with the challenge, look at it, inspect it, you know, turn it around on all sides, um, inspect it like you would a diamond. Um, and I think the more you can do that, the more you'll be able to solve whatever that hurdle is. Um, you know, I, I joke that I have this mental Rolodex in my head. And so whenever there's a problem, the wheel starts turning of like, could this be a solution? Could this be, what about this? And then I have, you know, some team members that will get on the phone and brainstorm all the different ways that you could play this chessboard. And so I think the more you can, again, unpack it, inspect it, take it apart. Usually there's an answer. Um, and if the answer is walk away, that's an answer too, but at least you've sort of done everything in your power to come at the problem from different angles. I love that. And and just the curiosity to stay open to what's possible is, is huge. Um, for the woman that picks this book up, what are you hoping that she either gains or learns or really kind of empowers herself to do once she reads the book and she puts it down? What will be her next step? Her next step is going to be that she's going to always know that fear has been hardwired into us. It's an emotion that protects us to keep us safe. These days, it's, you know, it's not running from a bear. <laughs> um, and so when it comes to your career, your path, your, G, you know, when it comes to your career, your path, your dreams, any goal you have, yeah, you might be scared. But my hope is that you go, okay, let me go back to this book and use some of these rules to do it anyways. So I never will sit here and tell you, like, I'm now not scared, right? But it's because now I enjoy the risks. I enjoy the possibility. So you might not be there yet, but um, I, I do have lots of fears. I'm not going to say I'm fearless on everything. So it'll it'll enable you to go ahead with it anyways, because you'll know that um, you're going to learn something if you fail. You know that if you trust your gut, that's probably the best instinct that you have. That's why we have, that's why that saying is so powerful. You know, if you grow your network valuably and you're not using people and you're giving back, you know, you'll be more likely to lean on relationships, especially when you're in trouble spots. Those are just a couple of the rules and they're simple, but they're sort of these stable things like a net that you can have to really help you. So that's what I hope it does. And for the woman that, you know, maybe the fear is kind of overcoming her and she's like, okay, so here are all the rules. Which one is like, if she could only pick one today, (laughs) what may be the simplest to kind of embrace and start to take in or the one that you feel like if you could only just do one, this is the one that you could start with. I think that I write in the book, the risk is the reward. I really think it's important that when you're going towards something you really weigh the risks. Is the risk losing your house and all your money and you might be homeless? Maybe it's not worth taking that risk, you know? Is the risk, maybe it fails, maybe you lost some savings or you lost time or, <clears throat> you know, something small was was lost? Take the risk, you know? I think that so many women hold themselves back and they'll never know until they try. And if you do something and it didn't work, Oh, well, you know, look how many great companies or people have been out there that have taken risk and it took a lot of guts 
you know, sometimes I make these extreme comparisons, but like women getting the right to vote today was because there was a bunch of women wearing red lipstick in white, you know, out there getting beaten and jailed and they took a risk. We don't even have to worry about getting beaten and jailed to take our risks, you know, or Rosa Parks. She didn't move from her seat. That was a risk. That was a big risk. That was again, being beaten and jailed. Uh, but look what she did for segregation. So those are extreme, but like when you look at the the comparable magnitude of just these two small examples and what you're being scared of, you can be like, oh shit, they did that. Okay. I'm going to start my company or I'm going to throw up a website or I'm going to launch this, whatever. Like this is small potatoes compared to what, you know, people had to do. Oh, I love that you touched on that. And because I've, I've shared that before um, to the listeners of this podcast is that you have to, you kind of have to approach your goals as if your livelihood depended on it. And I think that if more of us really took it that seriously, it's limitless what we could achieve and accomplish. Um, and, and with that idea, you know, last year was hard on a lot of people, um, yourself included. I mean, you shared a little bit about that of, you know, you were in an industry that was severely affected um, uh, by it. And so for the woman that maybe she was starting something or she was gaining momentum and she had a really horrible year last year and she just feels like she can't move on, she doesn't know if she can take it any further, she's so afraid, what would you say to her that you've been able, pulling from your own experience to kind of give her a little bit of that inspiration to move forward as well? Um, Success is being able to keep going. It would have been so easy to just say, you know what, this year's going to suck. It's going to be hard. Let's just go out of business. And I say that um, because that was the easier option to fight for my company, to hang on to it, to keep our employees, to take the pay cuts, to figure out a new business model. Like that was way harder than just using the cover of a pandemic to be like, well, we tried, didn't work. And, you know, we lost most of our business. So there. So I think that you just have to keep putting one foot in front of the other. And at least for me, you know, something I do to just stay organized is I just have a lot of lists and I have a lot of goals broken down into daily activities. So I can say, all right, big goal. Book comes out June 15, you know, loved by women everywhere. New York Times bestseller. What are the daily steps that I've broken down this goal that I've been working on for the last six months that I can do to check off my list? So as you're getting back on your feet, is something going to happen overnight? No, it's not. But as you're making plans to emerge and get your life back on track, what are those, what's the long goal? And I don't usually do the three to five-year goals because who knows what what the hell is going to happen in three years. Six months from now, what would you like to see? And how do you break that down? And then you have these achievable targets that you can cross off. And that is putting one step in front of the other. And it's going to be hard and it's not going to be easy. And then you'll get a day where you got some wind in your sails, but um, you're going to be rowing that boat and it's just going to be hard work and and grit. I love that. Um, okay. Writing a book is a journey, <laughs> as you know, <laughs> um, what, what is a lesson, a new lesson or something that you learned about yourself through sharing this message and writing this book? That <clears throat> I think when you've done one thing for so long, you go, could I ever do anything else? Like, do I have an ability to do anything else? Um, and when I launched, you know, the Female Founder Collective uh, back in 2018 and the podcast back in 2018, that was a glimpse of, oh, I can do something else. I'm actually good at something other than designing a handbag. And it gave me a lot of confidence that my success isn't what's in my bank account. It's in my ability to start something else and figure out how to launch it. 
And so then you go, okay, writing a book, I have to write, which I haven't done since high school. Um, then, then the book's done and you think you're on vacation. Guess what? You're not. Then you have to sell the thing and get it promoted and so much work, probably more work than the actual writing to get it out there. And to me, to be able to, again, flex those muscles of starting something new and figuring out like my, it was like a puzzle. I need to get this person and this thing and this podcast and this TV show and this person to write, you know, like, and then you go do it. Um, it, it keeps you on your feet and it keeps you sort of good at the idea of starting things. And so now I'm like, you know, if I lost everything tomorrow, which I have almost lost everything tomorrow, many times I go, I'll start something new. Ah, I love that. And you know, it's, it's kind of that idea of, it's like, you can always make money. Like, you know how to make money. You've made money. You know how to sustain, you know how to grow, you know how to create things. You've done it before. You can do it again. Um, What's been the most surprising thing about now being an author and sharing more of you with the world? I think that the most surprising thing, again, it it hasn't hit book stands yet, but from the people that have read it, they're like, oh my God, I had no idea how much you went through. Like even people who knew me thought that there was some, some mystical overnight success. And so when they heard about like, oh wow, she had to go through all that and she still stuck it out. Damn. Um, I think that that's been the most interesting reaction I've, I've had. Oh, and, and that just makes it even more fun to read because, you know, we're going to get to, you know, dive into these stories. And I mean, by the time this podcast comes out, the book will be out. And so the listeners are going to be able to really dive into stories that they never knew or, or things that they never knew about you. So I think that that is really, um, just makes it all worth the read in my opinion, as a reader, um, one last question before we wrap this up. What does influence mean to you? I think influence is the idea that you can change patterns, behaviors, people's minds. I think it is a gift when you use it for good. Um, I think that when you, and anyone can be that, right? You could be that for a very small circle of close friends or a community or a larger state or, you know, fandom, Um, And I think it's being able to take a gift and spread it out. I love that. All right, Rebecca. So for our amazing listeners who buy the book, love the book, want to tell you how much they love the book and to share it, how is the best way to connect with you to do that? You can buy the books wherever books are sold. Amazon books a million for the indie bookstores, Barnes and Nobles. Um, You can share it by using the hashtag fearless. Um, I want to hear your fearless stories, um, and then share them. And I'm on Instagram at Rebecca Minkoff. So you can just DM me. I read them all, uh, or, or comment in the comments that you've read the book and how it's changed your life. And then you can email me fearless at Rebecca So if you want to get real personal, there I am. Awesome. And we're going to make sure to have the links to purchase this book in the show notes. Um, and of course we always love to support, women entrepreneurs and business owners here. And we are book buyers and lovers um, on this podcast and we love books. So thank you so much for coming and sharing this. For those that are listening, definitely pick this book up. Not only is it inspirational um, and packed with so much story, so you will be able to see so much of yourself in the stories that Rebecca shares, but it's very actionable. She gives you a lot of really good tips and tricks that you can use to start taking action on the goals and the dreams that you have. So you can do it 
um, as fearlessly as possible and knowing that you have that support. So thank you again so much, Rebecca, for being here um, and just for being you and for never giving up because there's a lot of really amazing handbags that I have that I probably wouldn't have if you would have chosen to give up all of those times that you could have. So just know that your willingness to show up to be fearless truly is a ripple effect and it affects and changes so many lives around you. So thank you for that. Thanks for having me. All right, that is it for today. Now, are you ready to make more money and impact? If so, head over to juliesolomon.net slash accelerator to learn more about my coaching program and apply. All right, I'll see you again, same time, same place next week.